I can still remember literally having my first ever PT client. And I wrote, I'm not going to say who they are, but I, I remember writing their plan, uh, particularly their nutrition plan and handing that over. And the first thing this person said to me, this looks amazing. When's my cheat day? And I remember thinking, the heck is a cheat day? I'd been getting in shape for some time by that point. Um, and I'd never used anything called a cheat day. And this got me thinking, what is a cheat day? Why do people use it? And here I am many years later, st still kind of half thinking the same thing. So today we're going to dive into what cheat days are, but what would be a far, far better uh, way to go about remedying getting through dieting. Let's dive in. Meet your host, Andy Naylor. Andy is a men's physique transformation expert, competitive physical champion, and a multi-six-figure business owner who has helped thousands of busy, high-achieving men get into the best shape of their lives and reconnect with their inner alpha. On this show, Andy is going to share with you his playbook on feeling healthy again, avoiding the common pitfalls successful men fall into, dropping 20 to 30 pounds of fat, and building a physique you can finally be proud of. And the transformations aren't just physical either. You're going to learn how meeting your personal goals will help support your professional achievements, giving you that true alpha mentality. Let's go. So alphas, welcome back to the show. I hope everyone is good. Today we're going to dive into, yes, uh, cheat days. Now, I think really at this point, we know that dieting can be hard, first of all, right? There's no way around that. Dieting can be difficult. If anybody tells you different, they're either very lucky or they're lying, depending on how well or how good they are at dieting. Staying on a set plan and in a caloric deficit can become tiresome at best, but detrimental at worst. Um, if you've ever truly gone after fat loss as a straight up goal, you'll know this. You mean you need to be on point daily, very consistent. It's the same, for, it should, well, most of the time it's going to be the same foods, a lot of the meals at the same times, needs to be tracked correctly. It will be over weeks and probably definitely months. You know, you're, you're going to probably need to be reducing that caloric intake over time, probably while, you know, your expenditure, your output is going up. Like that, that's how simple really dieting is. Like that's it. That's, that's, that's dieting. Okay. Um, it's super simple, but it's not easy because most cannot do this. That's not a criticism, but most, most folk can't stick to these sorts of plans long term for many, many different reasons. And we're not going to delve into all of those today, but we know this to be true, right? Dieting can become monotonous. It can become boring, although boring is just a mental weakness. I wouldn't really say boring is a physiological or psychological. I would just say it's kind of mental. If, if something's working and it's boring, like who cares? This is the same with training as a caveat. Oh, my training plan's a bit boring. Yeah, but you're making insane progress. So just get over it, basically. But, you know, while dieting, progress can stall and stop. Cravings can start to kick in. Then that becomes binging. Then that becomes failure. Then that becomes regression. Then that becomes... Oh, but I'll start again on Monday, right? This is so, so common. Now, here at NBD, there are, there are so many 
ways, strategies, tools that we use to counter all of these issues um, successfully as well. Now, those can be things like food choices. Those can be things like the, the, the structure of a day, where the meals are, what are in the meals, you know, where are they placed, like what are they containing? They can specifically make a big difference. Even the rotation of foods can also have a massive impact. And then, of course, actual flexibility within a plan, that list can go on. But one way many still, I think, try to use to overcome all of these things is the legendary cheat day. So let me explain a, a cheat day. So it's, it, well, first of all, it's something, something like this. Someone would have been on point all week. Now, to the degree on point comes down to the individual. That's subjective for all of us, I think. But they would be on point all week. So probably sticking to the plan, probably eating the foods they're supposed to eat. The timing isn't far off. They're tracking things. They've done a pretty damn good job and they're feeling good with themselves. So they want to, for the most part, reward themselves. Okay, so they have a cheat day. Let's just pretend cheat day is Saturday. That would be a problem most of the time, but let's just pretend it is. So what might this might look like, it might be breakfast out. So rather than normal breakfast, we've gone out. Maybe it's pancakes, bacon, maple syrup. Like, yeah, like that's amazing. But that would be breakfast. Maybe then it's just different food choices through the day at different times, things on the go, maybe around other you know, activities through the day that are maybe not normal through the week. Maybe there's some alcohol, maybe then therefore water levels drop. And then probably in the evening, we're looking at, I don't know, something like maybe a burger, fries, pizza, something like that. That's typical, typical cheat meal, isn't it? Like burger, fries, pizza, and then cheesecake or desserts. It would be cheesecake for me, by the way, but then dessert of some sort. And then the individual is going to pray to the fat loss God so they can get back on track over Sunday, ready for Monday. Most will really struggle to pull things back on track on a Sunday because it's still a weekend day, whatever that really is. So most people are going to mess up Sunday to some, some degree too. Now, cheat day. First of all, I have no issues with the word cheat. I think I did at one point. Like People used to call them like off-plan days or free meals, free days. It's, I don't care what someone calls it. It doesn't really make a difference. If, if you're calling a cheat meal or a cheat day cheat, and it's giving you some sort of internal feelings of letting yourself down because the word cheat is there, then change the bloody word. That's not the issue. It's the word day that's, that's normally the bigger issue. It's the word day and the control within what's happening. In There's no cheat day. There's just generally speaking, no control. The, it, the, it's just kind of eat whatever and probably don't track it. Um, don't really pay any attention to the food choices, the nutrition, and certainly the calories. It's all off-plan meals. So what's happening is we're spending all week in a, in a deficit, doing a really good job, probably actually making some headway in terms of fat loss. And then that is all completely undone by one day in a ginormous caloric surplus. You could be, I don't know, you know, chipping away at maybe, you know, 300, 400, 500, 700 calorie deficit a day, whatever the deficit is. You've been chipping away, doing really well. You could overeat that deficit back really, really easy in one day. 
So you, now over the course of a week, you've, you're not in a deficit. You, you over the course of a week could have put yourself in a surplus by having a cheat day. So you make zero progress. You've just stuffed the week. You've made zero progress and you're back to square one on Monday, but now you feel defeated. And maybe you're like, oh, this plan's not just working, you know, just not working for me. No, no, it bloody isn't because you're messing it up with a cheat day. You've worked, you've just worked really hard to maintain a structure and then you've allowed yourself to stuff it up the wall. Uh, I don't know, because you feel like you've earned it or I don't know, lack of plan or lack of self-control. Now, we should take a, a step back and understand that food is a huge part of our culture. It causes when we, we win and celebrate, we want to eat. When we lose and commiserate, we want to eat. When we socialize, we eat. Eating is a pleasurable thing for most people from what I can tell, right? We like food. The amount of people that the amount of people I get into a consultation with and they're like, oh, I don't know if I can stick to a plan. I'm a foodie. And I'm like, yeah, who isn't? Like, we, I, I, it's not very many people I come across who are like, oh, I just don't like food. Most of us like food to some level. Some like food a lot more than others. Some just understand that food is fuel. And then there's a degree of where people are between those two points. Um, so we need to incorporate um, an understanding of winning, eat, losing, eat. Like we, the, 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 the social aspect of eating, uh, we need to understand that. And we need to plan that in for the majority of people. Now, competitors, so basically, you know, physique competitors, you know, in a prep, tough, basically. I, I would suggest that those people who have decided to go off and do that, you're in a plan and you damn well stick to the plan. And really, the way in which you would overcome that could be what I'm about to explain in a minute. But, you know, you've got to understand that for someone who is, who is doing some sort of physique-based competition, that is not a sustainable thing. And they should enter into that prep knowing full well that that's a, I don't know, 16, 20-week prep, whatever. It's not sustainable. It will come to an end. So I think that the, the sort of the chains of being far more strict and understanding that that's happening is a different sort of kettle of fish for competitors. So for everyone that's not doing that, let's look at some structures and strategies maybe that would help and, and also understand what we're actually really trying to overcome when it comes to dieting issues. Most of the, most of the reasons people have a cheat day or I don't know, just even go off plan will become, will be because of, uh, fat loss slowing down, right? Fat loss slowing down. Now, if fat loss is slowing down, um, we, will, we will cover that in just a second as to probably what's happening. But fat loss slowing down, emotions could certainly be playing a part here. Psychology, cravings, peer pressure. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's leaning into an individual that's dieting that can be sending them um, off plan. And all of these things can, it then becomes inevitable that, um, you know, fat loss is going to slow. Like that fat loss is going to slow. That's an inevitability of dieting. For the most part, when fat loss slows, what this means is the deficit has been lost. Generally speaking, by definition, if we're not dropping body fat, we're not in a deficit. Enough of a deficit consistently. By definition, that's it. You know, we're only dropping body fat because we're in a caloric deficit, i.e. we are expending more calories in different ways than we are consuming. Therefore, our body is trying to make up the difference in calories by you know, using stored body fat. 
right? Which makes sense. So if all of a sudden using stored body fat slows down, our first assumption is, hmm, have we lost the deficit? Now, uh, more than likely, yes, is the first answer. Um, and one of the reasons that we can see that a deficit could start to be lost is due to something called leptin, right? Leptin is basically uh, geeky for a second. Leptin is basically a, a protein hormone that's produced by adipose tissue, basically by fat cells themselves. Okay. I, in my mind, I just tend to think of leptin as this one simple thing, kind of like a barometer between the energy coming in, the energy going out and the energy you've got left. Okay. So the energy that's coming in, i.e. calories, the energy going out, what you're burning, what you're expending, and then the energy left, your fat. Remember this one simple fact. Your body has really two jobs to do, basically. Keep you alive long enough to pass on your genes. Ta-da! That's it. Really. Every other process that's happening, really on an evolutionary level, is feeding into that in some way, right? That's your job. Stay alive as long as you can. Pass on your genes. It's kind of called evolution. So leptin, I, I always feel in my mind that if you think about it, as fat levels are dropping, 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 so down comes leptin because there's less fat to sort of release the leptin. Now, there's going to come a point where leptin, is, it, it's, it's as if it's kind of doing this, like, I need to keep you alive job. I'm sure it does a whole bunch of other stuff, but in my mind, I conceptualize it as leptin is just trying to go, wait, whoa, hang on a second. There ain't a lot of energy coming in. You're expending a heck of a lot more energy than we've got, and we're running out of reserves. That's how I visualize leptin. Right, you ain't bringing us a lot of energy. You're expending an absolute load, and there ain't much left anymore, or it's, or it's going down quickly. So leptin is then starting to try and slow that down, because eventually, if you were to just let that go on, just, just imagine it works like this. It doesn't really. But if it just went on, you're kind of just going to starve yourself to death basically. And leptin's kind of going, wee, hang on a second. This, you're not going to live long and pass on your genes. We need to put the brakes on this. So leptin pops up and basically starts to slow things down. So it's going to try and make you want to eat. So it's going to make you hungry. So up goes ghrelin, right? So ghrelin is produced and you get hungry. Ghrelin can become nearly uncontrollable when it decides to do its thing. So up, uh, so down comes leptin and ghrelin goes flying up. And also leptin is it's slowing you down. It, so one, it's going, it's going to try and work on both sides. So it's good. The ghrelin's going to go up. You're going to want to eat. You're going to get very hungry and you want to eat. So it's trying to fix it on the energy coming inside. But then also it's going to slow you down. Alphas, I interrupt this show with a simple message. This show is here to benefit you and your progression to the best version of yourself. But not only just you. It's also here to benefit the people around you, your loved ones, your friends, other alphas in your vicinity. So why not do a really cool thing today? Something that I would thank you for and maybe someone else would. Share this podcast with at least one other alpha out there who you know would benefit from it. Why not share the information, share the ability for someone else to grow? I'm sure they would thank you. I 100% would absolutely thank you. This podcast only grows by our listeners, our followers doing amazing things like giving us five-star reviews, downloading podcasts, subscribing, and then, of course, sharing it with other people. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Share it with one person. And, of course, drop us a five-star review, download the podcast, and, of course, subscribe. And now back to the show.
Now, anybody, I think anybody who's really dieted hard. Now, this, this anybody who's competed listening to this, you'll probably understand there comes a point where you just feel like you don't move. You might go and do, you know, you'll, you'll go and do your cardio. You might get your steps in. You'll train really hard. Then outside of those specific points of movement and exercise, you have to work hard to keep yourself moving because you kind of go into, uh, I remember a good friend of mine, we, we, talk, we kind of called this like lizard mode. This was his sort of like, you kind of like, think of a lizard like on a twig, deadly still. Like it's just there ready for action, but doing nothing. Like still, that's kind of how it feels when leptin's like slow down. So you kind of find yourself just dr- that your mind is drifting away. So you're not really thinking about much. So for me, for example, um, I, I kind of have a slightly effervescent character. I'm loud. I talk loud. I'm, I talk fast. I move a lot. I, that's part of my character. But when I diet really hard, all that disappears. I remember someone coming up to me in my last prep and said, oh, what's up with you? You seem to have just lost all your character. And I could have bitten his head off at that particular point. Uh, but he was absolutely right. I'd become just a shadow of me because my body was fighting so hard to stop me talking, moving, fidgeting, anything, anything to save calories. And it was trying to make me eat. Leptin was just trying to reverse what I was forcing it into. Okay. So this is then, if you think about it, if we, if we're not conscious of this, we don't really know what's going on in the background, but come cravings, upcome binging, reduced movement, fat loss stores. So we, we should try and aim to, to some degree, manage just this one thing as much as we possibly can. Now, a cheat day, a cheat day, if there was ever a reason why someone might have a cheat day, maybe it's this. Maybe it's to fix leptin. Maybe it has some degree of an effect, but really we tend not to see that one day of massive overfeeding has enough of an impact um, in terms of helping deal with leptin. And ultimately, what we do see is a massive day of overeating, a cheat day, that style of maybe trying to deal with leptin uh, has many, many drawbacks. It's counterproductive, I would say, on nearly every level. How? Well, one, it's not really planned. All right? Maybe you know you're going to stuff your face every Saturday. And that, maybe, that's, maybe that's a plan. Um, but I would say it's not planned in terms of probably food choices, caloric amounts, macro breakdown, yada, yada, yada. It's not planned. It's probably a drawback in terms of digestion. I know if I just went off and ate whatever the heck I like for a whole day, my, my digestion's stuffed. So bloating, gas, maybe acid reflux, a whole bunch of stuff's going to come off the back of that. Normally, when someone eats goodness knows what, then water generally goes down because tummy's full, less desire to have water. And ultimately, it's a, it's a sort of, it's a degree of lack of self-control and discipline. And we need to be maintaining that at all times. So what's going to be a better solution to one dealing with the fact that we might need to every now and again allow ourselves to emotionally and psychologically detach from a a diet but also every now and again strategically go after trying to kind of stroke the back of leptin and tell tell it that everything's going to be okay so i introduce you to the idea of diet breaks 
this is nothing new. This is certainly not my idea, but a diet break, right? Just a break in the diet. Okay, what is a, a diet break? So the, the sort of overarching theme of a diet break is somewhere between maybe five to seven to maybe slightly longer of consistent days of eating back at your current maintenance level of calories. So it's not a massive overfeeding of calories. You're just reworking out what your calorie maintenance level is. Now you've been dieting for a while, so maybe it's a bit less than it was before. So you work out what your calorie maintenance level is and you just go and eat at that, okay? Um, so it's the same foods. I would suggest the same foods that you've been eating in your deficit and dropping body fat on, because hopefully by that point, you're picking foods that like you, not just because you like them. In other words, they sit well and they do the job. So it's the same foods, it's the same timing, it's the same plan. You're just increasing your overall caloric level to maintenance. Now, you could do this from a little bump in protein, a little bump in carbs, and a little bump in fats. Some people, depending on where they're dieting and where they're at, might want to do it all out of carbs. Uh, this part, I would say, depends on the individual. Some people in certain circumstances, I would just bump them all the way up in just protein. Depends how much of the deficit it was. If you're trying to make up a massive deficit back to maintenance, you ain't going to do it out of just protein because someone's probably not going to digest it. You're going to want to add some carbs in. But anyway, I'm not going to delve into the specifics of what macros. Mostly, the rule of thumb is you're probably going to see most of the uptaking calories back from wherever the diet is to the maintenance is going to come from carbs mostly because they're the easiest to do and people probably want them and you're going to get a little bit of a probably boost in terms of glycogen stores and, and and so on and so forth but you could possibly use a little bit of all three so what this can do is then relieve the long-term stress of dieting and being in the caloric restriction because it is a physiological and psychological stress to be dieting and it's also going to reduce that sort of mental fatigue that comes to it, right? comes with dieting. But also, we would hope that it's going to have some degree of a positive impact on leptin. So it's going to, you know, this, this eating back at maintenance kind of says to leptin, hey, everything's all right, mate. Don't worry. We ain't dying. We've got control. Leptin has a little bit of a reset. Maybe you start to want to move. And normally, when people start to do this, they'll notice their body temperature go up a little bit. This happened to me a lot. This would happen to me with just one big refeed, refeed meal. You can notice your body temperature rise. Now, that, that's, that's normally something to do with called a, a thermic effect of food. Could be a bunch of other stuff. But ultimately, you can kind of even feel your body nearly coming back to life. So leptin's now kind of going, ah, okay, cool. We're not trying to kill ourselves. Everything's okay. Leptin has a little bit of a reset. You finish your diet break, or however long that might need to be for you, and then straight back into the deficit you go. Now, where you want to place that deficit, maybe you go straight back to where you were. And I, I would suggest you go straight back to whatever you were doing that was working. Because if it was working, you just come out of a deficit, controlled, back to maintenance, you go back to that deficit. Now, that that you can repeat if you think about it, cyclically, as much as you want. You might find that five days didn't do enough and you kind of come to a grinding halt literally two weeks back into the, de into the deficit. You might find that seven days works well. Maybe you need to even go to 10 days. The, the key here is being able to get back out of maintenance and into a deficit successfully. I think that's where you really need to put the attention. Why do I say this? Well, 
from having run a coaching company for 20 years, there's one specific time where people struggle the most. It's not getting into a plan. Getting into a plan and starting something from new, generally most people are pretty cool with. It's when they, I don't know, maybe take a break for some reason. It's normally a holiday, family holiday. They go away, they, they do their best to stay on plan, they come back, but then they find it particularly difficult to really get back on plan. And a number of weeks can pass before they're like mentally back in the game. Everybody's different, but I've seen that happen so many times. And this could be the same. So one area just to be mindful of is knowing that you're going back into that deficit. This is why using the same foods helps. This is why if you just maintain the same structure, the same foods, the same timing, the same habits, everything is the same, except for you're just eating a little bit more. Bringing that back down into the diet level is going to be easier. That's why I wouldn't change change food choices and I wouldn't do anything else different. This, then you can use this over and over again. Okay. First time fat loss stools, I would first, not maybe the first time, but when fat loss stools, the first thing I would consider is, have I gone, like, can I increase the deficit? Is that the first step that I can maybe eke out another one or two weeks of fat loss? Because you want to try and get as much out as you can, because Obviously, the moment you go into a diet break, like that's fat loss theoretically is going to stop at that point because you're eating back at maintenance. So you're going to lose in terms of dropping body fat five, seven, 10 days, whatever it might be. The long-term benefit is huge because the other thing to consider here is it's not dropping fat that's the goal. That's not the goal. Oh, I need to drop 30 pounds. Yeah, that's not the goal. You need to drop 30 pounds and never have to do it ever again. That's the damn goal. I think that's the bit that most people seem to miss is, oh, I need to drop 30 pounds and really, really quickly. No, you don't. You need to drop 30 pounds. It needs to take as long as it damn well takes so that you never have to come back and do it again. That's success. Otherwise, you're just going around circles, getting worse and worse each time. This approach, dieting, dieting really, really well and not having these little cheat days and just you know putting in excellent three four five six seven eight weeks okay can't get any further right out for a diet break then back in again that approach is going to be far more successful on the long term on pretty much every level that's going to allow you to get to a goal and maintain it in some degree it's planned it's structured it can be tracked also so you can work out if the five days the ten days you can also track where you thought your maintenance was, you know, did you did you go up to maintenance and continue to lose body fat? Like, did you go up and then suddenly watch your body fat drop? That will happen. Possibly if you put yourself up in terms of calories, but maybe you're still now under at your actual body's maintenance, but your leptin's gone, ah, everything's okay. And suddenly you might, you might bump up 500 calories. You might have needed to have gone 800. And then your body kind of chills out and starts dropping body fat. Track that because that could be useful track that. Um, I think also in terms of this structure, it's far better in terms of discipline. So mental discipline, mental structure, and a consistent and constant feeling of success. Because cheat days, whatever the bloody hell those things are, I don't think gives anybody a feeling of success. It might give you a feeling of release and whatnot from dieting, but I don't, there's no success there. I would suggest a diet break is just one of a few different strategies that you could put in place that could help in terms of long-term dieting. My guys, I hope that's been useful. Try and use these, see how you get on. 
absolutely report back and I will see you in the next show. Over and out. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. We hope that you feel motivated to start making changes in your life so you can see those results that you've been wanting to achieve. Remember, you can do anything you set your mind to. If you love the show, please leave us a five-star review and make sure you tell your friends. If you'd like to connect with Andy, you can find him on Instagram at Andy underscore Nailer underscore Pure underscore Elite underscore Pro. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Talk to you again soon.